Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 11. 2 Samuel and chapter number 11. We're continuing with our series of the life and ministry of David. And we've seen David become the king of all Israel. We've seen all of Israel unite underneath David's banner. David take the city of Jerusalem and make it his city. We've watched as he has brought the Ark of the Covenant and brought it into the city of Jerusalem. And we find ourselves now, after all of this, that David still has some big plans. And so in the book of 2 Samuel, in chapter number 7, let's read about David's plans and see what he desires to have accomplished. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 7, and notice with me in verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 1, the word of God says this, And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, the Lord hath given him rest round about from all his enemies. And the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus saith the Lord, Shall thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. And all the places wherein I have walked with the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, to whom commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me a house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say to my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcoat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentst, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto a name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build me a, build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, 
and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak to Dave, unto David. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of men, O Lord God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore, thou art great, Lord God. For there is, is none like thee. Neither is thee any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible, which thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel, to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as thou hast said. Let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee a house. Therefore hast thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God. And thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness to thy servant. Therefore now, let it please thee to bless the house of the servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it. And with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. <laughs> and if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 7? 2 Samuel chapter number 7. And if you don't mind, in 2 Samuel chapter number 7, if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, notice a phrase that we find at the end of verse 13. 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 13. Notice the phrase, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And with the Lord's help, we're going to preach about what is commonly called the Davidic Covenant. The Davidic covenant. 
The promise that God made to David concerning David's future. This is an important pillar of prophecy that needs to be understood to know what future prophecy events are speaking of. This is an important pillar called the Davidic covenant. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, I'm just asking that you would help us to take this important matter to not only make it understood, but we could also draw a personal application for ourselves. Lord, I'm asking that you would speak to hearts, that you would be a help, that you would direct our path, and that you most of all would be God in our life to lead us on a plain path. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, David has done everything correct thus far within his kingdom. He has sought for God. He has asked God's advice. Even was saying, should I go attack them? Should I go fight them? What should I do? And he's been dependent upon the Lord every step of the way. There's been times that his zeal has outmatched him when he tried to bring the Ark of the Covenant. And he tried to do the right thing, but he didn't do it the right way. God corrected him. And he did do God's work, God's way, and has been rewarded for it. And now after time, he has, been, he has a nice, beautiful palace for himself inside of Jerusalem. God has given him peace surrounding him. That there's been wars and fights uh, <coughs> all about him. But God has given him victory over all the nations around him. Now that there's peace, he is now taking time to use his zeal again, and he wants to do something for the Lord. The very first thing I'd like to show you is the prompting of the Davidic covenant. The prompting of the Davidic com- uh, covenant, meaning what's the, what's the situation that is brought to give us the Davidic covenant? Notice if you don't mind in verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter number 7, and notice with me in verse 1. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said to Nathan the prophet. So the king's sitting with uh, the preacher, and he's talking with the preacher, and he says, Preacher, I have something in mind to do. I I have something big in my mind. And he begins to tell the preacher about it. Verse number two, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant dwelleth within the curtains. You know, let me take a little pause and put an asterisk. What an important thing that even the king took time to grab advice from the preacher. You understand the Bible says that there is safety in the multitude of counselors. And if you aren't able to go to the man of God, And explain to the man of God what you believe the Lord has you to do. Then something is bad wrong. But there's a safety in the multitude of counselors. Notice as it goes on. (laughs) In verse number three. Uh, verse number two, rather. And the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant dwelleth within the curtains. So David's saying, look at this. I'm living in a nice house. But the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, that's out by itself. That's out in a a 
tabernacle, which was a temporary dwelling place. Remember, the tabernacle was made to be packed up. And that whenever the Ark of the Covenant left, that the, um, <coughs> the tabernacle was to be packed up and to follow wherever it went. And then when God said stop, that's where it was supposed to be start. And so David's saying, hey, this is our, this is our final place. We're in Jerusalem. There's no more need for the tabernacle. I want to build God a place where the Ark of the Covenant can rest. And the preacher's getting excited. They're, they're, both the preacher and the king are talking about these things. And they're getting excited. Can you see it? Can you see us building this up? This is a great idea. This is amazing. And Nathan's getting caught up with this. Oh, I could see this too. David, that sounds great. Notice with me in verse 3. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thy heart. For the Lord is with thee. Nathan's been saying, Look, look at what God has been doing in your life. Look at the victories you've been won. Oh, that's a, why wouldn't God want you to do that? That's great. And so preacher's excited. David's excited. They're thrilled together. They're, they have a vision together. Oh, this is wonderful. But then notice verse 4. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shall thou build me a house to dwell in? And it goes on, and basically, the preacher's all excited. Oh, man, this would be great. God is going to have a house built. David has a desire to do that. God's been blessing David. Oh, this is great. And so he goes to bed, and God wakes him up in the middle of the night, wakes the preacher up. <laughs> By the way, notice that God did not wake up the king. He woke up the preacher. Because, again, there's a safety in a multitude of, no of, <coughs> of counselors. That God woke up the preacher and said, you need to go tell David, give him thus saith the Lord, not your opinion. You tell him what I told him, and you declare unto him, don't build it. God goes on and says, I haven't had a house, nor did I say, you guys are evil because I don't have a house. No one's told you to do that. But I appreciate your zeal. I appreciate what you want to do. And let me tell you, I got a plan for that, but not now. But not now. So originally Nathan's excited. He's, he's looking forward to it. But then God turns it down. Tells him no. God tears down David's dream. I mean he was excited about it. The preacher was excited about it. But God says no I have other plans. So this is the prompting of the Davidic covenant. Which brings us to the second thing. The provisions for the Davidic covenant. Now the wonderful thing here is that God says nope. David... I don't want you to build this, but David, let me tell you what I am going to do. And so what God does is he replaces David's desires with God's desires. And he does this with something amazing. Notice with me in verse number 12. <laughs> so in verses 10 and 11, God says, don't worry about my house. I've got someone else who's going to build that. And so that's a good plan, but not for you to do. That's not what I want you to do. But I got something better in plan for you. Verse number 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. Remember the word sleep is a, is a nice Bible way of saying you're dead. So David, when you filled out your days, and you're dead, you're in the grave. I still got plans for you. When thou shalt sleep with thy fathers... I will set up thy seed, a descendant, someone that comes from David, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. So David, when you're dead, one of your children is going to set up on the throne, and I'm going to establish his kingdom. 
verse 13, and he shall build a house for my name. So David, this isn't what I want you to do. I've got this plan for someone else. And he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And if he shall commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rods of men, but with the stripes of... <laughs> And with the stripes of the children of men, but my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul. So what we have here is the provisions of what is called the Davidic covenant. What is the Davidic covenant? Well, this is God's promise to David that God would establish David's throne or kingdom forever. Notice some of these provisions that David is going to have a child that's not yet born, but he's going to have a child that's going to be born, who shall succeed him and establish the kingdom. By the way, that's going to be Solomon who follows after him. And Solomon's going to be known from birth. This is going to be the guy who's going to build the temple. This is going to be the guy who follows after David. And David does everything he can to prepare Solomon for that task. So David's going to have a child. Second of all, the son Solomon will build the temple instead of David. So David, that's not for you to do. I've got something else planned for him. And your son's going to do that. However, the throne of his kingdom is going to be established forever. Meaning it's going to continue to go on. I'm going to make sure that someone who's always from your line is always going to sit upon the throne of Israel. It says that the throne will be not taken away, even though his sins justify chastisement. Meaning that, all right, hey, if Solomon messes up, heaven forbid if he ever does that. If he messes up, I'm going to spank him. That's what the word chastisement meant. I'm going to take him outside the woodshed. I'm going to correct his behavior. However, I'm not going to remove him from the throne. I'm going to promise that forever. The throne will be not taken away from him, even though his sons justify it. And that David's house and his kingdom should be established forever. And what this is talking about is that David is always going to have someone forever sitting upon his throne. That is inheriting his throne and is going to rule on his throne forever. Well, when David hears this, he is floored, which brings us to a third thing of this, the praise of the Davidic covenant, the praise of the Davidic covenant. Now, David takes, after he hears this, he begins to, <coughs> to in verse 17, on to the rest of the chapter, he gets alone with God. Notice, if you don't mind, in verse 17, according to all these words and according to the vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord. Now, this is an important phrase because it's said that he sat before the Lord. Remember that the context we're talking about is he wants to build a house where the Ark of the Covenant is, uh, can be kept because the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of the Lord. So David goes into where God's presence is represented to be at. He sits down, lies down, and begins to talk with God. And says, God, you're so good. I had other plans. I didn't even dream that you had better things for me. I didn't dream that this is what you had for me. And he says, I'm nobody. I, I'm, I'm a nobody. But for you to establish this, 
This is wonderful. This is great. This is amazing. And for the rest of the chapter, he's just talking about how great God is and how humble he is and how floored he is. And oh, what a wonderful thing. And he spends time praising. I'm not going to go through this word by word, but I'm just saying that for the rest of the chapter, he's just saying, what a great God. He's hooping. He's hollering. He's on his face crying. Oh, God, I wouldn't even dream. I, had, I wanted to do something for you, but you had something better. Oh, God, this is a great. And isn't it wonderful that God is able to do more for us than what we could even think or ask? He's an amazing God. And so another thing I want to show you here is the prophecy of the Davidic covenant. So we start off with the prompting, the situation that brings it up here. Then we talked about the provisions. This is what uh, God promised him. That basically, in essence, that David would have a descendant on his throne forever. Forever is a long time, by the way. And so... David hears this and he falls on his face, starts praying to God. Hold your finger here, but I'd like to show you the fulfillment of this. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the gospel record of Luke, chapter number one. The gospel record of Luke, chapter number one. The gospel record of Luke, chapter number one. And notice with me in verse number 31. The gospel record of Luke, chapter one, verse 31. And what we have here is a young teenage girl who's trying to do everything that she knows to be right. And an angel comes by and says, I got to tell you something. Guess what you're going to have in nine months? And she goes, but I'm not married. I've never been with a man. Yep, but God's got a plan. Can you imagine hearing that news? That, that's kind of earth-shattering news, wouldn't it? Notice with me in verse 31. Ah, let's get context. Verse number 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. You know what's happening when God is telling uh, David at 1000 BC. That in a thousand years from now. There's going to be a son that's a descendant from you. By the name of David. You know, it's interesting that we have two different lineologies, genealogies of David. What we have in Matthew chapter 1 is we have David's kingly line. And so it goes David, and it talks about Solomon and Solomon, Rehoboam, Rehoboam, Asa, and it goes all the way through. And it goes all the way through to Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus. Now we know that Jesus is not blood related to Joseph. He was the stepfather. And praise the Lord for good stepfathers. But what we have traced in Matthew chapter 1. Is the kingly line. You know that if Joseph. Was, if there was a king. Uh, the throne of Israel still exists. In Joseph's time. Joseph should have. And would have been the king of Israel. And 
And Jesus inherited the throne of David through Joseph's line, who was related to David. But in the gospel record of Matthew, we have, or Luke, we have another lineage. And this shows the blood relation of Jesus to David through Mary. And so Jesus is blood related to David. And he inherits the throne from David and both of these lines that come together. And Jesus Christ, of course, is going to establish a millennial kingdom. And he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And he's going to be king forevermore. And there's going to be no end to the kingdom. In fact, God's going to <laughs> destroy heaven and earth and create a new heaven and a new earth. And King Jesus is still going to be king forever and ever. Just like God promised David. That the answer is Jesus. That God was telling David about Jesus. Could you imagine this? David started off with a dream. But God said, nope, nope, nope. But let me tell you, I got something better. I got something better. Which brings us to the application. Now we understand that the direct interpretation of what's being said here is that Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign for a thousand years in what is called the millennial kingdom. And it is because of a promise that he made to David. But let me show you the principle here. The principle of the Davidic covenant. The principle of the Davidic covenant. And turn back with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter number 7. 2 Samuel chapter number 7. And I want you to notice back in verse number 18. 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 18. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart, thou hast done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Here is a principle that I want you to get from this Davidic covenant as an application to ourself. David had a dream. He had a vision. He was excited. And others agreed with him. But you understand that dream had to die? Because it was David's dream. It wasn't God's dream. Was David asking to do something sinful? No. Was he asking to do something good? Yes. Was he asking to do something great? Yes. Was he asking to do something for God? Yes. But the problem is, is that it was David's dream. You understand the principle that we're trying to tell you is that sometimes you have dreams. Sometimes you have something you want to do for the Lord. And there's nothing sinful. There's nothing wrong with it. But God puts it to death. Because it is your dream. God doesn't want you to have your dream. Sorry, Disney. God wants you to have his purpose for you. And that requires us to die to self. You understand when you die to self, you die to your dreams, your desires, your ambitions, your goals. You die to them because they're yours. 
And you allow God to fill you with his purpose, his desires. There may be some times that you have a desire to do something and God squashes it. He puts it to death. He says no because it's your dream. And then when you die to what you want, God may give you the same dream. But this time it's because it came from God and not you. That's how God works sometimes. The principle here is that it's not our dreams, our desires, our goals. We have to die to that and want what God wants for us. His way is perfect. This is the principle here. Nathan was excited. The preacher was excited. He was, yes, David, let's do this. But then God course corrected and he used the preacher to say, no, no, this has to stop. Not because it's bad, not because it's evil, not because it's wrong, but because it's not what God desires right now. You need to stop and wait, and God will give you what He wants you to get done. You know the worst, the worst defeat, the worst failure of any Christian is when they succeed in something that is not God's will for them to succeed. You understand that principle is not taught, but it's found all throughout the Bible. That the greatest failure of any Christian is when they succeed in something that's not God's will for them to do. That sometimes our dreams have to die because they're our dreams. But God will not just leave us dreamless, goalless, but he, as we die to self, he will give us what he wants to get done. And his way is always perfect. Now, what I'm speaking about is something very heavy and something very personable. You want to know why it's, this is a message is so hard? Because our dreams are personal to us and we don't want them to die. We don't want them to go away. We don't want to give them up. And sometimes it's almost like God has to pry them open where we finally surrender and say, all right, God. But when we realize that God has something better for us in the first place, we would have opened up right away. God's way is always perfect. The Christian life is not meant for us to struggle, meaning that we have to fight and get her. God's way is always perfect. God knows what he's doing. Most of the time, it's us that's in the way. Now, I understand this teaching is for mature Christians. There are some people that have no clue what I'm just now saying. But this is for mature Christians. So if you're a mature Christian or you think you're a mature Christian, this is for you tonight. That the greatest thing you can do is go to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, I die to my desire. You take the biggest desire that you have and you say, God, I die to my desire. There are some people, their desire is to have a great house. They have the stability. God, I have to desire, die to my desire to have a house. God, I desire, die to my desire to have this job. God, I have died to this desire to be in this place, to have this position, to have this goal, to have this happen. Because we're not worthy of anything. But as for God, His way is perfect. His way is perfect. Can you trust him? You know, David, when he heard what God had planned for him, he was like, oh, this is great. I like that better. 
I guarantee that when God puts his plan in, in place, you'll say, I like that better. I like that better. But the reason why Christians struggle is they're not willing to die to their desires, their goals, their ambitions. And some good things, some right things have to be put to death because they're our desires, our dreams. But God will always replace it with something better because his way is perfect. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.